Game Week 1. Let's go! You ready for it, Joe? I'm excited. I thought this week would never come, but it looks like it's going to come. As long as COVID doesn't go crazy. Yeah, I mean, I was nervous. You're just always waiting for that news that holds it back, and I think so far so good. And we're going to have our first game on Thursday night. Despite me kind of moaning about players a lot of the time, I'm an optimist at heart, but when those practice games are getting cancelled week in, week out, I was genuinely thinking it was more likely we wouldn't have a season than we would. But here we are, on a Thursday, game week one. Absolutely. So what we're going to do this week is go through all of the matchups, have a quick little chat about who we think is going to win, maybe look at some odds, talk about some positional battles, just give a rough overview of some of those week one games. And then at the very end, we'll just have a little quick chat about fantasy performers. Why don't we start off with the first game that's kicking us off tonight. Houston Texans at the Kansas City Chiefs. Arrowhead Stadium, 20 past one UK time. The spread is nine to the Kansas City Chiefs. In my view, I can't see the Texans winning this. I think that they're a team basically right now that lost one of their most important pieces in DeAndre Hopkins. Their wide receiver court seems to be made up solely of wide receiver twos, where you have Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, Kiki Kuti, Randall Cobb. It's like a who's who of wide receiver two. There's potential for David Johnson to come back and redeem himself. I'll hold judgment on that, but at the end of the day, he's had more bad seasons than he has good seasons. Meanwhile, the Kansas City Chiefs are relatively intact from a Super Bowl win last year. They haven't lost too many players and have that kind of contract hangover. I see this being a Kansas City Chiefs game. I see it being probably relatively high scoring early on and them taking their foot off the gas late on. I think the spread of nine, I'd bet over the spread and the Kansas City Chiefs to win by more than nine points. I see this being a Kansas City Chiefs win relatively straightforward. Yeah, completely agree with you on that. I'd also bet them for more than nine. I think the thing that will be interesting to watch out for this week will be Watson's performance. There's obviously this perception that due to Watson's consistent injuries, he's not really an elite performer. And I think he's going to have to be an elite performer if the Texans are going to have any form of success this season. This is going to be one of the toughest games he's going to play. So it'll be really interesting to see how he performs and whether he can step up. I think it's a little bit slightly more nuanced than that. I think that Deshaun Watson has shown enough to imply that he is an elite quarterback. I think the issue is the line that's in front of him. And that also ties into the injuries as well. I mean, he was the most sacked man the year before last and he took a lot of sacks last year as well. His lines just create so many problems for him doesn't allow him to get a good rhythm going. He has to extend plays with his legs. And, you know, he's taking all these sacks and he's getting hurt. If the line has improved and, you know, you've got Laramie Tunsil in there who they traded for last year, it could even this game up a little bit more. If that line is reverting to form and playing poorly, I think that this could be over pretty quickly and the Kansas City Chiefs could have this wrapped up at halftime. So I think that the line for the Texans will be pivotal there. Yeah, well, it's interesting. Both Mahomes and Watson rank in the top five quarterbacks in terms of yards per attempt under pressure. But Watson's taken over 50 more sacks than Mahomes in that same time frame. So, And these aren't Baker Mayfield sacks. These aren't holding the ball for too long. It's your fault, mate. These are the Lions just letting down sacks for the most of it. Yeah. You know, the quarterback could always be a little bit more aware and throw the ball away. But on the whole, a lot of these are on his line. So, moving on to Philadelphia Eagles and Washington football team. Philadelphia Eagles and Washington football team. I'm not a fan of Eagles. I don't think that the Eagles are anywhere near the pomp of what they were a couple of years ago when they took the Super Bowl. I think they're still a far better team than Washington. 
all eyes are going to be on Dwayne Haskins. I don't want to put a man down, but I haven't seen enough of Dwayne Haskins to make me think in any way, shape or form that he's the future of that franchise. The Redskins will be drafting in the top five in 2021 and they'll be taking a new quarterback. I think that this game is going to be the start of a very rough season for the Redskins and I see the Eagles winning pretty comfortably. What's the money line on this one? The spread is six and again, I see the Eagles beating the spread. I could potentially see this game being almost a blowout. If I was going to put one blowout this week, definitely from the NFC. Yeah, Eagles and I could see Eagles by three scores here really. Wow, that's quite a lot. I mean, the two teams sort of went toe-to-toe last season to a certain extent. Yes, they did. But I think that the Eagles were almost at a nadir last season. I don't think they've got that much better, but I think they have improved. I think that the Eagles have drafted generally in the right places. It's unfortunate that Jalen Rieger's injured. But overall, they have players in positions that perform when they need to. I look at the Redskins team. You take out Terry McLaurin and where in that offense are you really going to get points from? The big shock of last week was that the football team let Peterson go. They're running with Gibson and JD McKissick. Apparently McKissick is higher up on their list than Gibson, which seems strange. McKissick is listed top of a depth chart. I wouldn't read too much into that just yet because I think we're talking about unofficial depth charts and Gibson was never going to come in and be a free down back from the start. I think that the plan was always for McKissick to take third down duties. It is a surprise that he's showing up above him in a depth chart, but again, I wouldn't read too much into that just yet. I would still expect Gibson to have more yards from scrimmage. There's lots of promising things coming out of training camp, but you always hear good things coming out of training camp. If you hear bad things, then that play is probably due to be car. So hearing good things from training camp, take it with a pinch of salt. I don't see where points are coming from on this Washington team. Who knows? Maybe Dwayne Haskins will take a huge jump. Maybe this is the year that he takes a huge jump forward. It all comes together working for him under Riviera and we see a new Haskins. Great if we do. I don't see that happening. Like I say, Eagles for me by three scores. Okay, yeah. I mean, I'd expect the Eagles win. Three scores seems like a lot, but I do agree with you. I think the Washington football team are going to struggle to find those touchdowns. I think Eagles to win reasonably comfortably. I'd have said maybe a score or two. So then next we're on to the Miami Dolphins and the New England Patriots. I think this will be a fun game. We're probably not going to see Tua unless things go really, really bad for Fitz in the first half. But we are going to see Cam Newton starting for the Patriots. If you're a fan of football, it doesn't matter what team you're a fan of, seeing Cam Newton coming out in a Belichick team is going to be very interesting. I think things are still too soon for the Dolphins. You know, they did improve towards the last quarter of a season last year. Shockingly ended up with five wins. And I'm still not really sure how they ended up with five wins after the start they made. I don't see past the Patriots, though. I don't necessarily see this being a high-scoring game. I think that, you know, you've got a quarterback for the Patriots who by all accounts, has been putting in an extreme amount of work with the team. I forget who said it, but basically someone said that they've not seen him leave the facility yet because he stays so late, you know, working through the playbook, which I believe. And so Cam Newton's put the work in, but he is still playing with a new team. I think that the Patriots still have a lot of things to work out. They're missing a lot of players. Taking away what I've just said there about how interesting it will be to see Cam Newton, I feel it's going to be sloppy, at least for the first half. I still see the Patriots coming out on top. The spread is six and a half points. And I think that feels about right to me. Yeah, so I think the one thing that the Dolphins have really focused on in this offseason is their O-line. They've picked up Eric Flowers and Ted Karras, and then they went on to draft 
Austin Jackson and Robert Hunt. So it's clearly an area that they've targeted. Although I think the issue is that it was one of the worst offensive lines in 2019. So how much can they push it on? Well, they traded away that man, uh, Tonsil. And so Tonsil, who was one of the best left tackles in the league, uh, when they kind of bottomed out, he went and you know he was a foundation stone of our line. So they had to do something. Yeah. And then obviously now you've got four new starters, none of whom are, you know, established players that are going to have to take on the Pats in week one. So there's probably going to be mistakes that are made there. I think I agree with your summation that it's probably going to be quite a sloppy game. These are two teams that, as we've said, are either missing a lot of pieces or have had a lot of new pieces come in and have to bind together during this short preseason period. And I think, yeah, mistakes are going to be made. But I agree. I think I'd expect the Patriots to come out on top on this one. Right. So are we moving on to our matchup then? Packers and Vikings. I always say this, it's always hard for me to talk about the Vikings because you start to put heart above head and it's hard for me to be objective on this. The spread is two and a half points to the Vikings. I think the Vikings will win. I think that they're a team who it just feels right now the momentum is with them. I think that the signing of uh, Yannick Ngoue last week is one of those things that lifts the team. If the energy was you know, at 90, 95% in camp, it just went to 120% when you get a player like that. They're not a complete team yet by any means, but as I said all through previous shows, I think that Green Bay just haven't kicked on from last year. There's no areas that Green Bay have really strengthened in. You can't really look across that team and say, yeah, they've really fixed that or that's got really better. In fact, you know, areas that they started to address like wide receiver, then Funches goes and sits out for the whole season. I feel that this is going to be one of those games where the Vikings are on top of Aaron Rodgers. They don't let him play. He gets frustrated and... I'm going Vikings by 10 points. By 10? Yeah, a score and a field goal. Okay. I think that Yannick is a big boon. I think that that's gone a long way to replace that hole that Everson Griffin's left. But I think it's the week one matchup that works in our favour. You've got young, new cornerbacks and you've got some new defensive pieces. And this is week one. You know, they're going in and it has to work. And it has to gel immediately. And if it doesn't, I think Adams and Jones are going to find those gaps and punish the Vikings. I think it's going to be maybe a three-point difference score-wise. But I think Adams is going to cause those young quarterbacks some problems with his route running. And I think Green Bay probably nick it by about three points. I'm going to say why I disagree with you there. Because I take what you're saying about the cornerbacks. But the linebacker core of the Vikings is exactly the same as what it was last year. And this was an extremely strong linebacker unit with Kendricks, Barr and Wilson. They were one of the best linebacker units in the league. I know what you're saying about Yannick Nagui coming in, but at the end of the day, his job is to find the quarterback. And you could stick him on any line any Sunday and you just say, go and smash that guy. And that's basically what he does. So him being here and being here for just a week, it's not like he's got a whole load to learn. It's not like he's a quarterback. He's got to learn a playbook. Yes, there are some technicalities, but ultimately relatively straightforward. And then, yeah, look, you've got Gladney and Dantzler who are new, but they're not the starting cornerbacks on Sunday night. The starting cornerbacks will be Hill and Hughes. 
both of those guys have shown flashes of real potential. I mean, Hughes was a first-round pick. So those guys have been around the team. They know what they're doing there. Really, the only place where you have new players starting is Nague and maybe someone like Jaleel Johnson in the middle of the line. So I don't really buy the argument that it's going into week one. They're all new. They don't know what they're doing. It's actually a lot more of a of a set team than I think you're giving it credit for. And Devante Adams can't carry this whole team on his shoulders. We spoke about Lazard a little bit, and I'm not trying to say he's the answer here. However, the one thing I would say is when Lazard's in single coverage, he performs very well. And I'm not stating that he's necessarily going to blitz and go on a run, but he earned an 86.7 receiving grade and a 141.3 passer rating when targeted against single coverage last year. And towards the end of the season, he did start to create a bit of rapport with Aaron Rodgers. And I think all I'm saying is if you focus too much on Devante Adams and try and shut him down, I think Jones and Lazard will be able to perform. Let's see. We'll see six o'clock Sunday night. It's going to be close. It's going to be tight, I think. Right, moving on to Bears and Lions. Yeah, so the other NFC North matchup. Um, Money Line has Detroit Lions winning spread of three. I'm, all right, I'm going to be controversial here. I think that they've got the right team winning but I see the Lions winning by more than people expect I think the offense there is ready to click into gear you know Stafford has had time now with Golladay and Jones I think he's primed for a big season I think the Bears are worse than people are expecting I think that people are still thinking about the 2018 Bears the 2019 Bears were pretty bad and again they didn't draft well they didn't have a first round draft pick because of a clear Mac trade I'm going Lions by two scores. Yeah, I think this has Lions all over it. A lot of people are going to be very interested to watch Matt Stafford and see how he performs. Obviously, he had the injuries last season and everyone's keen to see what he's got now he's recovered from that. The thing that worries me a little bit is Quinn and Khalil Mack lining up against him. They are going to be applying a lot of pressure on the pass rush. They're going to be applying pressure, but, you know, you had Khalil Mack all of last season. Khalil Mack in 2019 wasn't Khalil Mack of 2018. He certainly wasn't a two-first player. I've spoken in length about some of the Bears players who have lost. Kwiatkowski, for example, I, I keep mentioning. I think that the Bears have had a net loss in terms of players. They have lost more than they have replaced. And I think this is going to be a horrible season for the Bears. I think they're going to come bottom. And I think they're going to get embarrassed by a... Better than people are saying, but still not very good Lions team. I think some people have, you know, the Lions has been a whipping boys. No, I think the Lions are a five or six win team. I really see them putting up 10, 14 point win over the Bears. Certainly hope so. Uh, okay, so let's move on. Let's go to an AFC South matchup, six o'clock. Colts versus the Jaguars. The spread on this is seven and a half points. Colts win. The spread on this is lower than the Texans and the Chiefs. Yeah, yeah. That's insane. Yeah, that's a really good point to make. You know, I think the Chiefs will win, but I don't think the Chiefs are that much better than the Texans and the Colts are better than the Jaguars. It's hard to find any positives in this Jaguars side, really. Well, any that they did have, they've traded away. I mean, right, so what? They've still got Chark. Yeah. And pass that, like... They've got Chark and Minshew. (laughs) Jeez, it's going to be a really, really rough season there. We've spoken before, I've said a lot of good things about the Colts. I struggle to find any saving graces for the Jaguars here. I think that seven and a half point spread is generous. Help me out here, Chaz. 
No, I, <laughs> I couldn't agree with you more. That's why I was so shocked when I heard the spread. I mean, this has, I'd have said, at least a three-score differential. I'm baffled that it's not as big as the Chiefs and Texans. I've already told our listeners, I think the Jags are going to be the whipping boys of this conference. And we've both spoken highly of the Colts. Unless the Colts go through some real growing pains in terms of their new pieces and it all fitting together, I'm expecting this to absolutely just walk all over the Jags. Philip Rivers is going to have so much time behind his line here. So the Jaguars aren't going to have Nague putting pressure on the quarterback. Got a great line in front of him there. He'll have all day to pick out his passes. I can really see Rivers putting up some yards in this game. If you've got Colts players in your fantasy team, I think this could be a great week for them. Seven and a half on the spread. You know, if there's one bet this week that I'd really like to take, it's probably going to be that one. 100%. Right, let's move on then. Where do you want to go from here? Let's stay in the AFC. Let's go AFC East. New York Jets versus the Buffalo Bills. Jets and Bills, I think this could be a little bit closer than people expect. I probably err on the side of the Bills, but I think the Jets will put up a bit of a fight. How Josh Allen connects with Stefan Diggs, a lot of people are going to be interested to see that. He's got a new unit for shooting downfield, but as we've spoken before, Allen's not the most accurate of quarterbacks when throwing it down the field. And then I think it'll be interesting to see Devin Singletary or Zach Moss. Yeah, the spread on this is six and a half. Hmm. I'm going to be honest, if I may be looking for one upset this week, I like the Bills and the Jets have got problems, especially at safety with Jamal Adams going now. But if it's one game where I'm like looking at it and I'm thinking, you know what, there could be an upset, I've got it here. And if we're just to believe some of the reports that are coming out of camp, and like I said, you've got to take them all with a pinch of salt, everything with a pinch of salt. But if we are to believe that the Jets offense is going to start firing a little bit better now, if, you know, Beckton can get in there and give Donald a little bit more time, Donald's going into his third year now. Things are starting to click for him. If the Jets can get their offense going, like you say, Allen isn't the most accurate person. There's a committee running back at the Bills. There's questions there. Who do you think is going to start? Do you think it will be uh, Zach Moss or Devin Singletary? I think that Singletary is the starter, but starter by name only. Until he fumbles or... No, no. I think that it's maybe a 60-40 split in terms of a committee there. Okay, yeah, yeah short yardage and goal yard it'll be going to Zach Moss I think that if they fall behind or it's a third down then I see Singletary being on the field but yeah I think it'll probably be something like a 60-40 split that's what I'm imagining okay so we're thinking it's going to be a tight game could be an upset if you had to guess would you back the Bills or would you back the Jets you know what right I'm going to throw it out there I think this is going to be a close game it's going to stay close throughout the whole game and Jets sneaking it I could definitely see that happening. I'd put my money on the Bills just sneaking it. But I agree with you. I think it could go the other way. Bills have some nice components to their team. It's just, can Josh Allen become more consistent? I think that's the only question. Can he become more consistent and more accurate? If he does, I think they win the game. If he's as poor as he was through parts of last season, yeah, I think Jets sneak it. I don't think that Josh Allen is ever going to be that type of quarterback. He's not going to be a quarterback who puts it through a window like Aaron Rodgers does. No, he's not. But last season, he threw an uncatchable ball on 65% of his 20-yard-plus passes. You can't be doing that. 
that's ridiculous because an uncatchable ball for your wide receiver is often a very catchable ball for a safety or a cornerback. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like I said, this is slightly weird from that kind of point of view because potentially at the moment the Jets don't have safeties who can punish those type of misthrows. But uh, look, I think that this is going to be a close game. I think that the 6.5 spread is a little bit disrespectful to the Jets. I think it's going to be a very close game. Nice. Right, where are you taking us now? We've got the Seahawks at the Falcons. I mean, I think I've got to go the Seahawks. I do like the Falcons this season. I think they're going to do better than people expect. But I think the Seahawks are a very solid team. You're going to upset listener James. Um, I am going to upset our longtime listener of the show, James. Big time Falcons fan. I think that the Seahawks are a team with not a lot of depth. But that core unit performs exceptionally well. And on week one, with no injuries, I expect them to outdo the Falcons. Yeah. What's the money line on it? It's two. Two? Oh, that's quite low. It's quite low. I think that's because there's still the belief that with Matt Ryan, Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley out there, the Falcons will still be able to score points when they fall behind and stay in the game that way, which I don't necessarily disagree with that narrative. But like we said... The Seahawks have not a lot of depth, but I think that where they have healthy players, they're a relatively well-balanced side. I think that you've got Atlanta Falcons players who, you know, were seen as the future of the defense. And, you know, they had that just apocalyptic year two seasons ago where basically every single player on the defense got injured with serious injuries as well. You got some of those guys coming back now. And I think, you know, later on in the season, they can make an impact. But you've been out for a season or two, serious injuries there. You don't really want to be playing the Seahawks in your first game back. No, it's a tough matchup, isn't it? It's a tough matchup. It's asking a lot of some players who are coming back from injury having not played for so long. So, you know, I'm going with the spread and I think Seahawks by at least a score between seven and nine points. Yeah, I'd agree with that. That's where I've got them at. So now we've got two teams left for six o'clock games. We'll move on now to the Raiders at the Panthers. Raiders at the Panthers. Uh, I don't know how I feel about this game. This one is maybe one for me where I could potentially see an upset with the Panthers. You're so down on Raiders, aren't you? Yeah, I don't know what it is. I just don't know what it is. I think everything is new for the Raiders. You know, they've got a new stadium. They've got new passing units. I feel like week one, it could not go perfectly well for them. That's all. And I think the Panthers, they've got new coaching. Sometimes you see this new coach comes in gives them inspiration, gives them that fight. And any team that has McCaffrey on their side, it could happen. I'm going to disagree with you, Charles. I'm going to say that the vision you have could become a reality. I'm not saying that it's impossible. But if it goes that way, then, you know, you're looking at Raiders having a terrible, terrible season. If Raiders lose their first game to the Panthers, then they're not getting four wins in 2020. I don't think they're going to be that bad. I think that the Raiders will beat the Panthers. I think that they have talent on the offense something that they've been lacking a little bit since Amari Cooper left you know not just from rugs as well you got Brian Edwards there you've still got Waller who had a career year last year even if he plays at 80 90 percent of that he'll still be one of the best tight ends in the league I think they have the pieces there Carr knows that he's playing for his future if Carr ends up with a four-win season Carr's out he's not a starting quarterback in the league again it's a big season for them 
the expectations at the Panthers are relatively low. Everyone's looking at them like they're a team that no one expects them to do much. They're rebuilding. They've got rid of Cam. This is a transition year for them. They've got Teddy Bridgewater there. But look, Teddy Bridgewater, and this is a really subjective view from me here. So this is just how I see things. When he was at the Vikings, he was a player who everyone liked and everyone looked up to and everyone thought that he was a great kid. Everyone really liked Teddy Bridgewater and everyone was really upset when he got injured and everyone wanted the best for him. And I believe that. But what always struck me about him, he didn't seem to be the kind of quarterback who would drag a team over the line, who'd do that fourth quarter comeback, who'd make a losing team win. He doesn't seem to have that kind of killer instinct about him. And I think that just due to that, the Panthers won't drag themselves over the line in games like this and won't win games like this. And that's a very subjective way of looking at it. And, you know, that's a view that's subject to change. He could totally prove me wrong and and he could really drag this team. But from what I've seen of him, I don't see him as that kind of win at all costs, that kind of Russell Wilson type of player. The way I see this one going is I think it's going to be high scoring. I think both teams are going to get quite a few looks at the end zone. However... For me, I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to maybe be three points difference. And I think the Panthers might just edge it with some McCaffrey magic. What's the money line on it? Panthers plus three. So you're going against the spread there. I'm going with the money line. I'm going Raiders by two scores. That's a lot. That's quite a bit. Yeah. A 24-10, something like that. Yeah. 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 Okay. So then we got our last six o'clock game. Our last six o'clock game, which is the uh, Cleveland Browns against the Baltimore Ravens. I think this is going to be a really interesting game to watch. Don't get me wrong. I think this is a Ravens win. But I think there's a lot that you're going to be able to learn in terms of the Browns and how their season's going to be off the back of this. And even the Ravens and how their season's going to be. The Browns have worked very hard on developing that O-line and strengthening that to give Mayfield that extra time. Now, the thing to note is the people that they have added into that O-line, they are more on the side of the run than they are protecting the pass. That being said, I think there's still an upgrade from what they had. It'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see whether Baker Mayfield gets the time to make any meaningful plays or whether he looks like a rabbit caught in the headlights again. And then I think from the Ravens' point of view, they need to be seen to be taking it hard to Cleveland Browns if they want to compete on the same sort of wavelength that they did last time. I think the Ravens win it by probably two scores and a and a field goal. Wow, that is a lot. I'm going to disagree with you there a fair amount. As I said before, I think this Ravens side are still a good side, but they're not as good as they were last year. I think that they've lost pieces... They haven't strengthened in the right ways. With Stefanski in this offence, I think that they'll be doing the right things in terms of getting the ball out of Mayfield's hand, giving him safety valves, giving him options to just dump the ball off, which he's just not been doing. And I think that what will happen and what we'll see in this game and what we'll see through the Cleveland Browns season more is we'll see more time of possession for the Cleveland Browns. I think that they'll be doing more plays. They'll be moving up the field slower. It won't be about the huge big bombs to Landry or Odell Beckham. It won't be about that. It will be about, you know, a 10-yard pass to a tight end, Chubb grinding it, Hunt grinding it. It will be plays like that. They'll be keeping the ball a lot more. So there won't be opportunity for teams to score against them as much as in previous years. It won't be kind of free and outs, which is free passes and nothing else happening. That said, I think the Ravens are probably still a little bit better than this side. The money line is eight. 
and I see Browns being on the right side of it. So I see this being, you know, less than a score. Okay, interesting. I expect the Browns to take a step forward. It's just whether I believe the Ravens will take a step back or not. I think they will marginally, but I don't expect them to take a big step back. I see the Browns taking a step towards being a very, very average side. They're not going to be a team that's going to have a deep playoff run. I'll be honest, I don't think they're going to be a very exciting team to watch at all. No. You're going to see lots of running. You're going to see just lots of ground and pound. And it's going to be a team for the purists, really. But I think they will be more efficient. They'll be more drilled. You won't have Mayfield eating as many sacks. You won't have them just throwing the ball away and keeping their defense on the field as much. So, look, still think Browns are going to lose, but I don't think they're going to get spanked by 17 points, like you're saying. Okie doke. They are our six o'clock games. Moving on to the later ones now. Chargers at the Bengals. Interesting one. This is an interesting one. I completely agree with you. Go on, you give us your take first. This is one of those games It's just, I'm just looking at this and it feels really hard to split. Money line is three and a half, but look, you've got such an unknown entity there with Joe Burrow. You've seen so much promise. He could go on the field and he could be magic. He could play like something near how he played his last season of college and we could be looking at something really special here. Equally, we're talking college football there. He might not be ready for the step up to a national football league yet, but he's starting. So it could go very well. It could go ugly. Playing against the Chargers team, who I'm just not convinced by at all on the offense. The defense, they seem to have players coming back now with Melvin Ingram. You've got your Joey Bosas. So they're going to be tasty on that side of a ball, but I think they're going to have to be because I don't think their offense is going to help them out too much through the season. Yeah, I think... Desmond King as well was someone that... Yeah, great shout. You know, he was graded the third highest cornerback in the NFL since entering the league. And he's going to cause trouble for Burrow. But I agree with you. I think Burrow showed tremendous accuracy in college. And I don't think that just disappears because of the step up to the NFL. Of course, there's more pressure. But I don't think he'll completely disintegrate. Well, it's it's not the accuracy, it's the players that he's playing against. He's playing against National Football League cornerbacks now rather than college cornerbacks and the step up in class there is just it's huge. And the type of plays that he'll be running now, like, you know, you're not playing the kind of college West Coast systems, especially like they were playing at LSU last year where you've got, you know, sometimes four wide receivers on the field. You're playing with a more conservative playbook and you're playing against very, very good cornerbacks and especially like you say, like players like Desmond King. I really, really want to say Bengals. I want Joe Burrow to have a great year. It's always nice to see those kind of college players come through and make an impact. I think that's my heart speaking, though. And uh, this game goes to overtime. I'm going to say that. Wow. Okay, that's a great shout. See, I'm with you. I'm struggling heart versus head. Personally, I have to see the Chargers winning this. I think AJ Green's going to be a really big element to the Bengals success in this game week it's game week one he's you know in inverted commas recovered from his injuries whether he is still the same wide receiver he was when he first came into the league is up for some level of debate I know in your eyes it's not he's he's just not that guy anymore but I think week one is his best opportunity with no current injuries to worry about I think they'll put up a bit of a fight but I do think that the Chargers defense is going to be very hard for the Bengals to overcome and I think the Chargers win it by maybe seven okay next game uh the Buccaneers at the Saints (laughs) I can't wait to see this game I think it's going to be so much fun to watch the thing is every time I see the Bucks take the field it's gonna feel like I'm watching like an old A team do you know what I mean 
you just see the old boys. <laughs> dun, 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 exactly. Dun, dun, dun. Brady with a fur coat. You know, you've got <laughs> Gronk with a cigar. Just <laughs> Gronk ain't getting on no plane. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see it. I think it's going to be fantastic to watch. Well, do you know what? I say I think it's going to be fantastic to watch. It could be horrendous. It could be an absolute car crash. I think it's so unfortunate that these guys have the Saints to play in week one. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's a nice story. I'd love to see them do well as the season progresses. I think week one, I'd have thought the Saints by at least two scores. Yeah, I think this is the end of the rainbow already for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> I, that was a short ride. <laughs> it's a very short ride. And there ain't no gold there. I think they're ridiculously overhyped. And I think it's going to all come crashing down. I think it could get nasty. I don't necessarily see Brady taking a lot of sacks. I can see him throwing some interceptions, though. I could really see it being horrible for those Buccaneers fans who think that this is the start of something. I've got the Saints down as a deep playoff team. I think they're going to be all business. I think they're going to be efficient. And I think they're going to take the Buccaneers apart. I think two scores is fair. Money line is three and a half points to the Saints. I'm going with you under on this one. And yeah, Saints all the way. I just can't see past them. Yeah, take that all day long. I mean, I've got this vision of them as the old school A-team. They might end up being like the Golden Girls. Uh, You can can make any kind of analogy you want here. They're going to lose. So let's just move on. NFC West, Cardinals at the 49ers. Money line is seven points to the 49ers. Do you know what? I think that is about right. Maybe the 49ers will get slightly more than seven points, but I think that's close. I don't think there'll be as many as two scores in this game. The view that I have is that I think teams to beat the 49ers are going to be daring Jimmy G to throw it a bit more. And where teams have a cornerbacks to pull that off, that's how teams will beat the 49ers this year. I don't think the Cardinals really have the cornerbacks to pull that off. So I think the 49ers will win. But like... I don't think that the 49ers are a team who are going to blast many teams away. They're going to be a winning team. But seven points feels about right. So I don't really think we've got too much to say on this one. I mean, money line there is kind of about right. A score for the San Francisco 49ers. I think it will be a relatively low-scoring game. I think despite all the wide receivers that Kyler Murray has around him, I think the 49ers will negate that. I think it's going to be an interesting game to watch from a fantasy perspective to kind of see where the Cardinals lean towards whether it's Hopkins or whether it's Kenyon Drake and that kind of percentage split between running and throwing. And I appreciate that that will change based on the matchup they face, but it will give some good indications in week one who sees what at certain points in the game. I think that of those two plays you just mentioned there, Drake probably has the more upside because he's a free down back. So he will take first and second down and third down. He'll take passes out of the backfield or he'll grind to finish games if that's what's needed. When the Cardinals are chasing games, there are mouths to feed there. And Hopkins just won't see the volume that he saw at the Texans. He just, he just won't. He's a great player. I've been through his before and he's an absolute gem. But he's not going to be that kind of fantasy top three mule like he has been. I don't think he'll get as many targets as he saw at the Texans. I mean, as we discussed before, the Texans didn't have a running game. They just flat out didn't have one. Whereas he's going into a team with a very capable runner. So there is going to be more of a split there. And also, you know, as previously mentioned, there's multiple wide receiver targets there. But maybe that keeps teams a little bit more honest and 
you know, maybe the looks he gets are slightly better. We'll have to wait and see. Okay, the late game on Sunday, Cowboys at the Rams have a brand new SoFi Stadium. Yeah, this is an interesting one. I So I've been watching Hard Knocks and I think that might have skewed my judgment on this. You know, I came out last week, I was like, I think the Rams might be the worst team in this division. I'm kind of a bit bigger on the Rams now. They've obviously got Jalen Ramsey. You're so easily led. I am. I'm swayed. But listen, I got tricked into picking Aaron Donald and the Rams as my sack leaders because I didn't realise that Fowler Jr. had gone to the the Falcons. So I've got to back Donald. Uh, They've got Jalen Ramsey now. And I think they could be tricky. That's all. And I think Dak is someone that I don't trust anyway. And I, I think defensively, the Rams could cause the Cowboys some problems. I think there could be an upset there. I'm not expecting it. But if it happened, I I wouldn't be totally surprised by it. I think maybe the Cowboys buy a score. I see this a bit different to you. I see the Cowboys going out there and this being a statement game for the Cowboys, showing that their 2020 version with Mike McCarthy, they are going to be a different team to last year, a different proposition. Their defense is just just looking so tasty. And I think they're going to be all over Goff. I'm going to say that the Rams are going to be one of the lowest scoring, if not the lowest scoring teams in game week one. And the Rams, I'm going to do a bit of a take here. The Rams won't score more than 10 points. Wow. Yeah, the Rams won't score more than 10 points. And the Cowboys will score getting on, if not more than 30 points. I I think this is going to be a statement game. And the Cowboys are going to show what they're about in 2020. I'm not a Cowboys fan. I dislike America's team as much as everyone else. But statement game. Look... The Rams don't have much of an offense, so I'm not expecting them to score big. And just touching on that, Sean McVay has already said he he doesn't really know who the starter is at running back for week one. They're going with a three-man committee there. Yeah. And they'll just be playing the hot hand, which I support the committee approach, but it's good when you kind of know what you've got there and know where your strengths are. I mean, they don't really seem to be there yet because of the children training camp. Yeah, absolutely. So I think they will struggle to put up big numbers. I agree with you on that front. But I think they will cause the Cowboys some issues, less because I think the Rams are going to put up numbers, but I do not see the Cowboys scoring plus 30. Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb, Zeke. I'm going big on this one. Big Cowboys statement game. And just before we move on, the SoFi Stadium, it looks absolutely incredible. Have you seen it, Charles? Oh, doesn't it look unreal? That has swiftly gone near the top of my list of stadiums I want to go out and see. It's absolutely off the chain with that oculus thing going around the roof a huge 4k tv that everyone can see it's just off the chain yeah it's absolutely incredible what we've built there and you know it's definitely worth all that investment that Cronky hasn't been making in arsenal for the last 10 years to pay for that well has it come from his pocket because normally the stadiums are paid by the taxpayer yeah it's paid more by the good people of uh, los angeles but what a stadium they have there the one thing that the Rams probably will be winning against the Cowboys is who has the best stadium in the National Football League now. And that's the new title that the Rams will take from the Cowboys. <laughs> Brilliant stadium. Oh, incredible stadiums, Botox and mini burgers. What's not to love about LA? So we're nearly there now. A penultimate game to talk about. The late one on Monday night. The Steelers at the Giants. Yeah, again, interesting one. I can't see past the Steelers. I think they've probably got this game in the bag. But it is really going to depend, personally, I think, a lot on Big Ben. I think we're going to have to see 
now that his elbow's fixed, how he performs. If he hasn't missed a beat, then I think the Steelers could win this by more than two scores. But I think a lot of it is on his shoulders. Over the last couple of weeks, you've won me over a little bit on how good or how not as bad the Giants are going to be. I think I traditionally always saw the Giants as a bit of a joke team over the last couple of years. But having our chats as we do on a weekly basis, you're starting to win me around a bit. And I think they might put up a bit of opposition. But if Big Ben's good to go, then I think the Steelers will turn them over. Yeah, see, I kind of feel like I swayed you on this one. I'm glad about that because that's basically how I see this game. I think this will be a fun game. It's a 10 past midnight start on Monday. It's one I think that I'll definitely stay up to watch. I think that it's going to be high scoring. I think that both teams are going to have a real good shot at this. I think that the Steelers just have a better defense than the Giants do. So when it comes down to those game-winning plays, the Steelers are going to have it. I'm assuming that Big Ben is going to pick up where he left off. I'm assuming that Daniel Jones is going to take another step forward and you know really be a decent quarterback. Daniel Jones lacks the weapons that Big Ben has. That's not to say there's not questions over those weapons that the Steelers are playing. Juju has to have a big year. He's only ever played well when he's been second to Brown. Yes, he was injured. Yes, he was playing with a revolving door of quarterbacks last year. So give him that kind of benefit of a doubt there. But he has really got to step forward now and show that he's wide receiver one. He's leading this team and he's taking those yards on his shoulders. So there's question marks there, but I think overall their court is better than what the Giants have. But still, look, I think there's some talent out there. It's going to be a fun game. I see scores, but I see Steelers winning it by 10. Yeah. And then the last one, this is interesting. The last game we're going to talk about here is the game that the money line has as closest. So it's the Titans at the Broncos, the 3-20 game, very late. This game is Denver Broncos to win, but by half a point on the money line. So it's nearly all square. This is probably one of the games that I'm most excited to see because I kind of agree with that prediction in that I think it's going to be super tight and I think we're going to see a lot of lead changes over the course of that game. Drew Locke is going to be forced to push himself and he's going to have to chuck it a fair bit. I think the Titans are going to have to step up their game and fight hard for this one. I personally think the Titans might just nick it by you know, a field goal or less, but it's going to force some big play moments. Okay, I see this game different to you. I feel that I'm in a slightly different mood about some of these teams because I just believe in a Broncos and maybe I'm slightly swayed by what you were saying last week, but I look at that Broncos side and they've got a lot of talent on the offence side of a ball there. They've also got a very strong D. I think this might be one of those kind of nightmare games for the Titans where they're hoping they're going to pick up from where they left off last season, a deep playoff run. And it's just not going to click. I can see Tannehill throwing interceptions. I can see Henry getting stuffed up. I can see the Broncos scoring. I'm going Broncos by a score here. And yeah, I'm quite hot on the Broncos for this game. I'll tell you what makes me a little bit nervous about that. We spoke in previous weeks about Drew Locke's protection and Jadevian Clowney on the other side. I'm just worried that Locke is going to find himself under a lot of pressure throughout the game. And I think that might lead to Locke getting sacked, getting fumbles, forcing him to make bad plays. And that's what makes me think that the Titans are going to nick it because I think you might see a few mistakes from Drew Locke in his first game out without that protection facing up against Jadevian Clowney. You know what? I'm not a believer in Clowney. He came into the league as such a high pick. He had all that hype around him. 
he was playing on the opposite side of the line to one of, if not the best, defensive players of his generation in J.J. Watt. Teams were double, triple teaming J.J. Watt and Clowney could pick up pieces. With that said, Clowney has never had more than 10 sacks in any season. He had a 9.5 and a 9 in a 16 and a 15 game season, but he's never had more than 10 sacks. He had three sacks last year in 11 starts. I am not hot on the Clowney hype train. And yeah, he improves for Titans, but I don't think he improves them by that much. Well, I think it's a combination of the two, though. I think it's that's gone up for the Titans, but they're playing against a team that doesn't have great protection for their quarterback. It could end up being the perfect storm for the Broncos. I just don't think it's enough of a factor there. So yeah, so I'm going Broncos by score. Okay. So I think for the most part, we see things quite similarly. There's a few different matchups that I think we see going different ways and it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. And then there's probably a little bit of discrepancy over the severity of the wins or losses. Just before we leave for this week, I think it would just be interesting because obviously fantasy is a big component of the modern football game. So we've got our Michael Thomases, you know, we've got our Nick Chubbs. Who do you think is going to have a week one performance who probably lies outside of that kind of ADP 10 for their position? Forget the obvious picks. Who do you think is the player this week that could have a breakout game? So someone who isn't getting too much said about him, who I've already mentioned in the show already, I'm going to believe in him because it's the first week and let's go for it. Juju Smith-Schuster. I think that with Big Ben thrown to him, with him getting that rapport back, I think that the Giants and Steelers game is going to be high scoring. I can see Juju Smith-Schuster getting oh, over 120 yards in that game and a touchdown. I absolutely love that take. I didn't even consider Schuster, but I think that is a great shout. He could he could have a breakout week this week, especially against the Giants. That's a great Who call. you got? Well, okay, so I, I'm going to have to rattle through this because I've got like a little bit of a mini short list that I just want to run through really quickly and then I'll, I'll tell you where I've landed. But in terms of the people that I'm really interested in, Marquise Brown against the Browns, I think he could be a big one. The Ravens didn't really pick up anybody else that could challenge him for wide receiver one and he could have a big game against the Browns. I also like AJ Green uninjured for week one because I think Burroughs is going to have to throw a fair bit against the Chargers. You're not going to love this one, but I've talked about it in this episode. I think Lazard could have just a freak game if everyone's covering Adams. You wish. Listen, I talked about how efficient he is in single coverage. It could happen. Uh, Drew Locke, I think, is going to be forced to make some big plays and could have a big breakout game week one. But for me, and it's a risk, I think Diggs could go big. We've discussed Allen's accuracy issues, but I just think he was so bad last season. All he has to do is not be awful, and Diggs could really go big against the Jets. Bold. Really bold. Yeah, I mean, Diggs is known for his big plays, for going deep. So I think... Diggs last year was the NFL's leader in receiving yards on passes of 20 yards plus. So I just think Allen, who likes to throw deep, you know, he's got one of the strongest arms in the, in the NFL. They could connect for 
big, big plays against the Jets, but it's all going to come down to Allen's accuracy. Now, all that's left to do, Joe, is sit back and watch some NFL, which we have been waiting for. Oh, it's like Christmas Day. I don't think I'm going to sleep on Wednesday night. I'm going to be so excited <laughs> about Thursday night. I literally cannot wait. Look, and for people out there, uh, follow us on our Twitter, Facebook, social media. We'll be live tweeting during the game with our thoughts. and It'll be great for you to get involved as well. We'll look forward to hearing from you. Yeah, and actually, probably another thing that's worth pointing out at this stage, we've got our website up and running now. It's playsheetpodcast.com. And on there, you can look at all the predictions that Joe and I have made at the beginning of the season and how we expect a few things to map out. And there's an opportunity there to vote on who you're backing, Team Chaz or Team Joe. Let's see where your thoughts are. And you can check out at the end of the season how that panned out. And either way, it's going to be all up there in writing so you can point out how ridiculously wrong we are. Yeah, there's no backing out, is there? <laughs> there's no backing out now, Charles. There you go. That's pinning your colours to the wall. Well, enjoy week one. Enjoy some hopefully fantastic football, as weird as it's going to be without the fans. But I can't wait to see the games pan out. Cannot wait. Catch you all next week and we'll review what's gotten down. <laughs>